They said it wasn't humanly possible. But now you can have all the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable, it's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Plus, Game Boy comes with the outrageous new game, Tetris. And for head-to-head -head competition, use the revolutionary video link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, portable power. Welcome to Geek Squatch, where nostalgia finds a giant hairy beast and spits out a podcast all about 80s and 90s nerd culture. I'm your host, Caleb McAllister, and tonight we're talking about the puzzle game that even your grandma has played, Tetris. Before we get your Tetraminos all lined up and fitting, let's introduce the rest of our puzzling Tetrathon. Uh, tetrathon? 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 Sure. Tetrathalon? Nailed it. Tetrathalon? Nailed it. I don't know. Nailed that's it. Bad, that's bad Whatever. writing, Caleb. That's a bad job. <laughs> no, I, I I wrote it correctly. I just can't say it for some reason. Because um, you know what's funny is is we would have had a pentathlon, which I can totally say, but uh -huh. tetrathlon is kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, a lot of vowel or a lot of a lot of consonants in each other. Yes. Uh, the, the voice you just heard laughing at me was Alex Hirsch. What's up, Alex? I hey. want to ask you, what platform did you first play Tetris on? Fuck. Uh. I would assume that it would have been the NES, mm. um, just judging by sort of uh, I had I had an NES very young. I remember I remember getting it when I was I was like three. So um, probably that. But okay. there's also a chance that I would have played it on like because um, this popped out on Commodore at some point earlier, right? Commodore sixty four. Uh, yeah, it was on PC, IBM machines first. Okay, I so the Commodore was one of them. Yeah, so there's a chance that I would have messed with it on there, but I, I don't I don't remember that. But my I know that we had one in the house when I was younger. So, cool. Brandon Kramer, do you remember? Um, definitely uh, NES would have been the first time we really? played it. Yeah, for sure. I've, That's weird because my first memory is, and it's, I thought we'd all agree, is the Game Boy. Oh yeah, I actually yeah. our family never owned a Game Boy. Like the only really? Game Boy experience I had a cousin who owned a Game Boy that um, I'd play around with a little bit, but yeah, I never owned a Game Boy. What? Yeah. That's crazy. That's man. the weirdest thing I can ever imagine. I mean, I didn't have one until late, considering mm -hmm. like when they launched. I didn't get one until uh, Pokemon was out. Um, no. I had I had one just before Pokemon came out. but um, So that would have been like literally 10 years after the thing released. But damn, that's great. You never had one. Nope. Shit. Did you ever have like a... I had a Game, like a Game Boy Color? At one or point. Like, oh, fuck. Right? <laughs> Yeah. No, and your never... and your parent and, and your parents went fucking broke and had to take out a second mortgage to pay for all the batteries that went into that thing. Huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like six double A's. It would last like three hours. Um, yeah, that's we never really did uh, a whole lot of uh, um, like mobile gaming back in the day. Handhelds, huh. not really did the handhelds. Did a lot of console gaming, but that's about it. So yeah, definitely NES, where I played huh. Tetris's. Okay, interesting. Um, I think it was a pack-in game for some ver some some versions of the Game Boy. It mm -hmm. was. Um, 
So that kind of shocks me. I mean, I guess you didn't have one. But I mean, definitely mine was the Game Boy, and I played it a lot. Um, it's super addicting. You don't even realize that um, that you spent like 20 minutes playing that game. And it's just a simple puzzle game. But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more mm-hmm. later on. Um, no Colin tonight. He is out of town. Yeah, he Jamie... said he hates Tetris. So just he does? send him some messages, guys. Yeah, tell him that. Tell him how crazy he is that he absolutely just hates and despises Tetris. Wow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm no, he, didn't, he didn't actually say that, but he did say that he, he did say that he loves Tetris, but that he hates everyone who likes Tetris. It's <laughs> oh, a very, it's a that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. He really I do just remember hates him saying that. that supports it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, let him know uh, um, what an idiot he is. Yeah, yeah, it was a very socially uncool tirade he went on to. It was very it was Colin Colin's a bad guy, yeah. right? Like just in totally general. The worst. In general, yeah, he's definitely the bad guy <laughs> of the group, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh and Jamie probably won't be back on the show until after we finish moving and um and that kind of thing. So uh yeah. Oh, She's holding down yeah. the fort, putting those those baby boys down to bed and I'm I'm podcasting and having fun, so uh <laughs> Thank you, dear. I never listen to this. That's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, trying to earn those brownie points for a show she does not listen to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we'll go on a quick break and then come back and go into the Wayback Machine. There's no way all this junk is going to fit in that car. No, don't worry. This is what all those hours of playing Tetris were for. All right, guys, we're back. I hope you spent some time, you know, busting out that old Game Boy, charging it up, you know, then getting a Tetris here and there, just staring at that grayscale. Uh, it, it is one of the perfect games to play while, while listening to some podcasts, though, right? Like, oh, totally. It's one of those mindless, like, it'd yeah. be perfect for, like, podcasts or audiobooks, just playing some Tetris. Anything mindless is, is just, yeah. yeah, you're listening to us, and our dulcet tones just put you to sleep mm-hmm. while you're trying to get these little blocks to fit together. It's great. It's great. Uh, that's totally sexual too. Uh, mm-hmm. so this is, yes. Tetris fit came out in, uh, anywhere you want. It's yeah, 2017 right. people. You got to slide that. You got to slide that eye block deep, <laughs> deep at the bottom of, of the box. Uh, Fuck. so Tetris came out uh, officially in June of 1984. Um, we nice. were all just little babies, not even like, conscious of the world innocent and sweet um except for alex because he wasn't even born yet but What's uh, up? Yeah. my parents weren't even together yet it's it's really weird this time and this year has a lot of stuff going on that we've already talked about ghostbusters and mm-hmm. gremlins came out this month we've done mm-hmm. episodes on both it just happens that you know that they're around the same time mm-hmm. this game was released does that make this for mm-hmm. one of the strongest like months ever this might Go be the strongest summer. Gremlins, like if we Tetris, if we look at the rest like, of the summer, it's huge. Eighty four is insane. We've ta- we've talked a lot about eighty four. Like eighty four is a good mm-hmm. year. Um. So Cindy Lauper gets her first U.S. hit with "Time After Time," which is also a classic. I did a karate demo to that song once. Of song. course you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's an interesting like business thing. Richard Branson's Virgin Atlantic Airways uh, commences operations with its first flight from Gatwick to Newark. 
Cool. That was Fuck less yeah. interesting than you built up for, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Branson's fucking cool though, man. That guy's <laughs> he's he's literally he's literally businessman version of Robert Plant. It's true, actually. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> like, analogy. For like the five people who got that, that's gonna be great. Um and then the Supreme Court ends the NCAA monopoly on college football telecast. That was for Colin. I put that in there. So yeah, Colin, yeah. I hope you appreciate that. There you go, Colin. You big meanie. You let mm-hmm. us know. Let us know after you listen to this what the hell that means. So I have host memories in here, but I don't really know if if that applies I got to this I got a little some, a little something, something. You I got, got something? My, uh, something, something. Tell me about my it. this because of Tetris being on the Nintendo. My brother and I shared a room um, up till I don't know what age, um, but this is still when we lived in California, so I was really young. And uh, my parents would come into our room every night and take our Nintendo out of our room, bring it into the living room, and play Tetris after we were oh, in wow. Like it was like a, so they would steal they would steal your shit. They would come in and steal my goddamn Nintendo, which back in the day was dangerous. If you're playing some Dragon Warrior, you can't take that game oh, out. Oh shit, dude! Mid-game. I know, I know. Like we had to let them. God, know yeah. How many how many like, nights? I got a game in that doesn't save, and we're not finished yet. You cannot take it tonight. Um, right. Yeah, I remember being <laughs> like legit. These are totally different things, but my brother and I playing through the original Dragon Warrior on the Nintendo. And it was always like the most stressful thing of our day that when we got home from home from school, the Nintendo would still be on. Like the mom oh, didn't God. go in and yep. find the Nintendo on and turn it off in the middle of the day. Well, the other deal was like even if a game had saves, sorry, you guys are going to hear me pouring a drink in the background. Um, even if the Thumbs games up. had saves a lot of times with the NES, um, some of those older systems. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, what if you're in the middle of a fucking hard-ass level and you haven't hit a save point? Like, like mm-hmm. you, I remember, that's some shit I hadn't even thought of in a while, just leaving shit on for, like, a day. Yeah. You or know? you just didn't I was trust lucky. it. Like, I still yeah. don't even know to this day if it's true that Zelda, like, it helps you in your save if you hold select while you turn off the console. Like, I don't know, that, no like that was like a myth that I probably heard at one point, so I, I would do it all the time. Yeah, like, you just didn't trust them either. Like, those battery pack saves, like... Everyone's well, just shit didn't work. So, well, yeah, that was that. That was during the time too, where like, the, and this has carried on into modern times, where like, I will save a game, and then be like, oh shit, did I actually save or did I not save mm-hmm. before I exit the thing? Like, oh, let me let me save over it. Oh again yeah, just to make sure. Yeah, I'll go look at my save files before I turn off my console even today. Yeah, absolutely. Right. For sure. So yeah, that's um, kind of a. So my like, my parents would steal my fucking Nintendo. Yeah, man. Um. So my memory of this is actually so like the original Tetris or or. I guess the Tetris everyone considers the original, right? So your NES, your Game Boy, like that, like that era of Tetris. Um, I remember liking a lot and like like being into it, and it was cool because I was very young um, when I got my NES and when I uh, was like starting to get into video games. And it was one of the games that like you don't need to understand anything, you don't need to read anything, you don't need to you know. There's no like higher consciousness shit. It's literally like rotate the blocks, put them in a stack, good to go. You do that shit from practically birth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, I will say this, my favorite Tetris game that I played, like, or, or probably not my favorite because I, I know that there are better ones, but a Tetris game I put a shitload of hours in was Tetris Worlds on the uh, Xbox, the, the first Xbox. Oh, I played it on Xbox Live? Oh, dude, that shit was awesome. It had those little, like, it was, okay, also, that game was kind of fucking buck wild. It had little Tetra, Tetrons, Tetroids? Tetraminos. I forget they... No, it wasn't those. They had characters. Oh, oh, I see. That would like be on the side of your screen, and like depending on like how how good of a score you got and all other shit like that, like they would pop out. But that game was like widely contested because that's the game that 
uh, started that infinite spin mechanic, I think, if I'm if I'm remembering right. Right, yeah, so infinite spin. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because when I was writing the script for this, I was like, do I need to actually explain what Tetris is? And I, and I do in the history, so we'll get there, but... I kind of feel like it's ubiquitous in, in, in the culture, and, and no one, everyone knows what Tetris is, so why bother? But um, there right. are so many variants that do little tweaks here and there, like Tetris World and the Infinite Spin. Um, so basically, in that version of the game, they started doing this thing where if you spin the piece, it doesn't go, gravity stops working on the piece. So you can spin indefinitely right. and then drop it whenever you feel like it. And there was a lot of controversy at the time with that mechanic because people felt like it was cheating. However, they didn't realize or they didn't take into account the fact that you're scored on time. So there's a time multiplier in that game. So spinning doesn't actually help you get a higher score. Right. Exactly. But that game was cool because you could travel all these different worlds. It had an awesome soundtrack. Like That's a thing we should at least hit on at some point is the the various soundtracks of Tetris. But um, it had an awesome soundtrack and... You, it had this like weird sort of story behind it, if I'm remembering right. Granted, guys, it was 2001 or something. It's been forever, but uh, where you would go to these different worlds and like the higher score you got, you unlocked like more of the little Tetris character guys, the little fucking block men that would hang out on the side of your screen and like dance while this buck wild electronic music was going on. It was very cool. I'm glad you're bringing it up because um, I'm only really talking about the main game and then specifically the Game Boy version because that's kind of like. That's the one that's, that sold that the, is the game. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but it is it is worthy to note uh, there are over forty different variants officially, and then there are other versions that are unofficial variants of this game. That's how many right. want you know uh, different strata that this game has created, which is extremely impressive. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It literally invented a new type of like a new type of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like shit. Somebody accidentally invented fucking checkers. Like, Oh God, now we have this, you know? Well, that's a great, yeah. so that's a great way to start it off. So, um, Tetris was created in June of 1984 by Alexei Pajitnov. I'm still saying that wrong. Pajitnov? Sure. Pajitnov. Pajitnov. Yeah. I practiced this and I still said it wrong. Pajitnov, an artificial intelligence researcher working for the Soviet Academy of Sciences at computer center in Moscow. So this is straight from Russia, from Moscow. Okay. Right. He was tasked with testing in, in 1984, tasked with testing the capabilities of new hardware. Pajitnov would do so by writing simple games for them. So he initially considered creating a game around Pentaminos. That's five piece puzzles. But um, the problem with that is, is that there were 12 different shapes you can make with mm-hmm. uh, Pentaminos. And like he had an old school game where they give you all the Pentaminos and you have to fit them into a rectangular box. So he just said, well, let's just use Tetraminos because there's six of them. And it would be way easier to do. And plus, he could only use text because that's the only characters he, he had available to him to make sure. these games. So it just kind of fell into place. Um, he was on the Electron, Electronica 60. Um, and he designated all of the pieces by the letters that they kind of represented. So we have I, which is four in a straight row. J, which is three in a row, and then one on the bottom right. So this is all horizontal. Mm-hmm. L, which is the inverse of J, so the the fourth block is on the left. O, which is two on top, two on bottom, also called the square. Uh, S, which is two on top, two on bottom, but the one that's overlapping um, the is on the the top one's on the right, and the bottom one's on the left. And then the uh, the Z is the inverse of that. So. Mm-hmm. 
The top one is on the left and the bottom one's on the right. And then you have the T, which is three on top and one in the middle. That's it. It's my favorite piece. Right. Mm. It fits in so many different situations. It's kind of like the versatile clutch piece, right? Oh, yeah. Because you're always saving that I for like a big Tetris. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but see, the thing is, like, you get that – I love it when you can get a piece down towards the bottom and as it's like – it has that one more frame of animation right before it, like, clicks into place. Mm -hmm. And you can rotate it one more time so you can slide that piece right in there. Man, that T piece is clutch for that Mm -hmm. shit. That is a pro move, by the way. Like, that's something that advanced play uh, players do, not something that uh, beginning players can figure out. Let me tell you. I fucks with Tetris. <laughs> yeah, uh, I played. Oh, by the way, really quick as an aside, so I played yeah. some Tetris on their official website. They have like a base. It's like a flash game type of thing you can do on the actual Tetris website, right? Um, and it's more or less classic Tetris. I mean, it's pretty like it's all that shit. Um, the top score built into the built into the system because it doesn't have like multiplayer. Or maybe it does if you sign in or something. I don't know. But I didn't do that. The top score on the thing was like five thousand or eight thousand or something like that. And I popped in. I was like, I haven't played Tetris in a long ass time. Let's see how this goes. Click, 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 click. And by the time I died, I had like twenty seven thousand points, and was like, I'm good at this. Like, I'm I fucking get Tetris. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um. So here's what's interesting is when Pajitnov created this game, the only reason that he created the 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 line clearing feature is because once he created the game, he quickly realized that creating all of the pieces together filled up the screen very fast. Mm-hmm. So it was literally out of necessity that the screen or the the line clearing mechanic was created there was no extra thought into that to kind of like i don't know if someone like so he took it based off that like that puzzle game you can get where you have like a square or a rectangle and you have different shapes you need to fit them all in there yeah um, without any gaps in some way with no no gaps and no overlaps you got to get all your shapes in this one square um so it's the it's the idea of that game that puzzle game um, only obviously you fill up the screen, so there's got to be a way for you to clear them out as you go. Correct. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, the Electronica 60, or the Electronica, or whatever the fuck you would say, uh, is a ridiculous thing to think that this spawned, it's ridiculous to think that that spawned fucking Tetris. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, zero graphic capabilities, right? Like, cannot display graphics. It's a basically a word processing. It's just game. letters, it's part, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, part of a, it's part of a micro, or part of a, uh, it's a rack-built computer, right? Uh, the maximum word length is 16 bit. Like that's, are you fucking kidding me? This thing is ancient. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he was just testing out the, the capabilities of the computer itself. You know, and that's, right. what, and he wrote this game to basically take it to the limit. So, yeah. And that's, and m- looking at the specs of this thing. Yeah, dog. Totally <laughs> nailed it. So, like, <laughs> so here's, what's funny is he creates this game. And he shares it with his his coworkers, and they just went gaga over it. They were all playing it like all the time. Um, the Academy of Science coworkers uh, Dmitry Pavlovsky and uh, Vadim Gerasimov. Uh, I still can't say these Russian names. I don't know. Gerasimov. Yes, Gerasimov. I need to say it. You know what the problem is? I need to say it like Boris from uh, from uh, <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle, and then I'll get it. I feel like you need to say it like Borat from that hit movie. By I Robert like. Cohen. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. My wife. Uh-huh. Uh, so they they ported the God game to the IBM PC. Uh, Gerasimov reports that. See, that works. Pajitnov mm-hmm. chose the name Tetris as a combination of Tetramino and Tennis. So those were his two favorite things. Uh, the mm-hmm. Tetramino game and tennis. He's a big tennis fan. So from there, Which I love because this game has zero tennis characteristics right? whatsoever. But he loves it know, so much. He loves, was like, we're, we're putting that in there. We're getting it. Yeah, we, it's gotta be. I love it so much. 
Uh, In case no one's ever heard of tennis, I really got to get the name out for people. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called a portmanteau, by the way, when you combine uh-huh. two words like that. Isn't there also uh, some kind of um, I don't know if it's a myth or what, but something about the the Russian government confiscating all of the floppy disks that contain Tetris? We're getting there. The We're workforce getting there. wasn't We're getting anything there. done. You're getting ahead of me. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. uh, from from there, the the game exploded in popularity and began spreading all over Moscow. Um, actually his, uh, Gerasimov's website still has it up there. He, he put it up, nice. the Tetris company asked him to take it down. He took it down for a while. And, and ever since 2006, I think it's still up. So, but it's all in Russian. So you're, hell yeah. yeah you're not going to find it. Unless so don't visit Russian. that website right now because we, that you, you're, you're going to yeah. be put on all the lists. All, all the, all lists the that lists. I'm on, you're going to be on them with me. So yeah, well, that's come true. on in buddy. Yeah. We're, you're in good company with Alex there. Um, the PC version made its way to Budapest, Hungary, where it was ported to various platforms and was discovered, quote-unquote, by British software uh, house Andromeda. And they attempted to contact Pajitnov to secure the rights for the PC version, but before the deal was firmly settled, they had already sold the rights to Spectrum Holobyte. So Pajitnov sold the, ro- the rights to Spectrum Holobyte. Um, but... It's, it gets weird and murky. So after failing to settle the deal with Pajitnov, Andromeda attempted to license, oh, license it from the Hungarian programmers instead. But that's not really how this kind of thing works. Um, and I also think this is when the... I, I couldn't find any confirmation for this, but I think this is when the scoring for eliminating the rows was implemented. I'm not sure if it was by the Hungarians or by Andromeda or by Spectrum Holobyte. I'm, I'm a little hazy on that. Um, couldn't find anything concrete, but, but somewhere that wasn't in, this, in his original game, it was not. So some, some, one of these two or three entities put that in there. Um, yeah, I don't know that Andromeda would have done it because I don't know what they would have been doing at the time. Because the thing is, Andromeda didn't really. I mean, I'm sure there was a software company in its own way. Like they, they probably had programmers, and so people may have fucked with it. But really, they were a middleman publishing company, and what they did was they would bring. Uh, programs and video games from the east block from from you know russia and shit like that and satellite countries and publish them in the west so this was interesting about this this is in the middle of the cold war still so i guess mm-hmm. near the tail end but still it's the cold war so u.s and russia aren't talking you know but there's yeah. spy versus spy this game existing in the west is kind of a crazy thing to begin with and a lot of from what i read a lot of the stuff that spectrum holobyte and andromeda brought from russia failed miserably this is the only thing that like hit with any reasonable and well i mean huge amount so it's just a weird time in history i I should point out that gravity where the the blocks dropped existed from the beginning and Mm. you could still rotate them they wouldn't stop but they would you could still rotate them as they fell I guess you could probably. There's a little bit of a of a stop in gravity. It kind of slows down when you do twist, but it's not significant. So, right. So before the legal rights was, were settled, um, Spectrum Holobyte, uh, IBM P- PC version of Tetris was released. Um, it contained background graphics featuring Russian scenes. Uh, in, ni- in 1987, the game's popularity was tremendous. Computer World Gaming called the game deceptively simple and insidiously addictive. Um. The details of the licensing issues. This is it's kind of all about licensing in, with this game. And there were very uncertain. Yeah, the early his, the early history of this is nuts. Yeah. So in 1987, Andromeda managed to obtain copyright licensing for the IBM PC version and another home computer system. At this point, all these different systems were actually like you could get separate copyright for them, which sounds insane now. Um, so their Commodore 64 release, Alex, was in 1998 mm-hmm. and was notable for having a 26 minute 
which is pretty long for that time, soundtrack, composed <laughs> by game musician Wally Bebin, which I yeah. never heard of before. Um, so this game was one of the few things behind the Iron Curtain uh, available, like I said. Um, and it's just a novelty that exists. For, so for the Amiga and the Atari ST, again, two separate other consoles or systems, two different versions were created by Microsoft in 1987. I don't even know how they got involved with this. I guess they just decided to create their own. It's mind-boggling because Spectrum Holobyte um, was involved as well, but they, but like it's kind of known that... Oh, sorry, it's Mirrorsoft, not Microsoft. So there's another company, Mirrorsoft, Spectrum Holobyte, and Andromeda are all putting out versions. Plus there's the Hungarian version out there. And it's weird to think because Mirrorsoft is a U.S. company, if I remember right. Uh, Spectrum Spectrum Holobyte is owned by Hasbro now, but they were founded. They were in Boulder, and I think they went to Alameda later. Huh. Uh, if I remember from what I was reading earlier, That's so really like, close the weirdest to me. part about that is yeah. So, but the weirdest part about this is thinking that like there there are potentially like multiple U.S. developed versions of Tetris around this time, all vying for like various stakes on the license. You know what I mean? Like it's that's nuts. Yeah. So the games were sold as like budget titles due to their some just for the game simplicity, not necessarily because they were the quality of the games. It's just like, hey, this game's kind of like chess, so we're gonna sell it with a bundle of other games. Uh-huh. Um, Spectrum's Apple II package actually contained three diskettes with three different versions of Tetris on them. Okay, <laughs> the Apple II Plus and the Apple IIe on separate DOS 3.3 and Pro DOS. 5.25 in 133-millimeter diskettes. <sighs> and the Apple yeah. II GS on a 3.5-inch diskette. If you remember what those look like, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, mm-hmm. go to the internet. So Just you bought in, like, if, 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 your if, Apple II, and you got three different disks that made it Well, depending on which one you bought, different... yeah. I mean, okay. they would basically, like, they had one for every platform. This is the, the wild west of early computing. Yeah, this was before this was when this was before you bought an Apple computer and then you later bought the next version of an Apple operating system and upgraded it. Okay. When they came out with the Apple IIe, you just had to get an Apple IIe if you wanted to run those Apple IIe programs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and there was a degree of like backwards compatibility I mean, and stuff with a lot of this shit. But this really if you don't know what a three point five inch floppy is, by the way, it's the save icon on everything you look at. Yeah, My kids exactly. don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's just a save icon. Yeah. yeah, everything you want to save has a floppy on it. Um, this isn't unlike like buying a blu-ray today that has a blu-ray a dvd and a digital code kind of i mean i I guess there's like five different versions of the same blu-ray that only play on different blu-ray players that's that's kind of the only analogy i can think of yeah yeah it would be it would be like it'll play on your playstation 3 but you'll have to get the other version of this if you want to play it in your sony blu-ray player like exactly HD DVD. Anybody remember that? Mm. Anyway, mm-hmm. that was a fun joke that Microsoft That's played Microsoft. on a bunch of people. I mean, Microsoft. I mean, what? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So none of these versions were copy protected. That included the documentation. They include the documentation specifically charging the purchaser on his or her honor not to give away or copy the extra diskettes. Dude. Okay. Really fast. Do you guys remember what early copy protection was like on old computers? Um, no. kind of. What do you mean? So a lot of shit. So there were there's a million different ways that sort of like DRM or copy protection was tried was was uh and was 
uh, put into place, right? One of my favorites are, are a lot of games did this where they would come with like a code wheel, basically like a fucking decoder ring. Yeah. It would be like two pieces of paper. One has a cutout in it and you have to like line the shit up and it's like you get a slip in the box right? or whatever that has like the like it, the code, the, the cipher is H and you'd have to like fucking flip around. And Dude, it's like, oh, well, this now is my key code. Like, I, we had wild. the original, like we had um, Monkey Island on our computer and it came with at so I didn't know what that was as I didn't realize the purpose of that as a kid. But to log into the game on our computer, every time you logged in, it would generate some kind of random code that you needed. This cipher thing that came with it that looked like just like a little. It's just a side game we do. You kind of turn these things and, but it's a cipher and that's that's just a deal. How funny! I it never clicked mm-hmm. to me what the hell that thing was, like why you oh, had to wow, do man. that. That's so funny. Sorry, I had to go on the no, side. No, yeah, the, yeah. I, I don't know that there's ever going to be a time I get to bring that up again. That's no, so I'm sure cool. there will. But that's no, it's a good point. Like the, this is a crazy time in digital rights. Like nobody knows what they are. Very few people are mm-hmm. thinking about it. And, and to this point, so Pajitnov himself was unsure of how to publish this game, and he's living. Mm-hmm. He's he's Russian, so he's fearful of of the Soviet regime if he does publish it because he would be that's capitalism, right? This is mm-hmm. right there under communism. That's not allowed. So he offered, uh, he was offered an opportunity by Perestroika, and he gave the rights to the Soviet government for the game for ten years. So that's insane to think about. As a man who's only ever lived in a capitalist society, like the idea of just being like, I can't, I if I if I do this for profit, I'm a capitalist pig dog. Like exactly. I, I think he might have been seeing the writing on the walls and kind of betting on the you know the communist system breaking down because this right. is this is not the end of of the soviet of the ussr you know it, mm-hmm. it's right 1999 yeah it was a, i was gonna say it was a few short years and it was done like yeah um so 1998 the soviet government began to market the rights to tetris following a promotional trip to the country by gerald hicks the one-time united states champion of of tetris so there's already a, nice. a, a united states champion of the game and they're using him to peddle their product um through an organization called Electronorg Technica, or Elorg for short, because no one's saying Electronorg Technica. Yeah, Elorg. <laughs> so at this time, Elorg um, has still not been paid by Andromeda, but Andromeda was licensing and sub-licensing the rights to the game to other entities. Yeah, this is totally insane. A different version of Tetris which was originally released in late 1988 by Bulletproof Software for several Japanese home computers as well as the MSX and the family computer in Japan. Or the Famicom, um, right. predating the Nintendo version that you guys know. Yeah, <laughs> this is so. Another thing about DRM and, and digital rights and licensing and stuff is we didn't really start in the West. That wasn't even really le- regulated until fucking the year two thousand. Right. Like, think about that. They were computer games and software and all this shit, and they didn't have like hardcore national legislation until the DMCA happened. Nope. No, yeah, the Digital uh, Media Copyright Act of 2000. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay, then there's an unlicensed arcade version that was released in Korea around this time, as well as an uh, unlicensed Master System version entitled Super Tetri. No S, just Tetri. Totally insane. Um, that's like that's like all those that's like all those um, awesome knockoff products you find in Chinatown. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a book bag that has Sonic on it and says Obama underneath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, so now let's let's go forward a little bit. This is 1998. Um, 
Half a dozen different companies claim the rights to create and distribute the Tetris software for home computers, game consoles, and handheld systems. Elorg, meanwhile, um, held that none of the companies were legally entitled to produce an arcade version and signed those rights over to Atari, which it signed uh, while it signed on non-Japanese consoles and handheld rights over to Nintendo. So Tetris was on a show at the January 1988 Consumer Electronics uh, Expo in Vegas, where it was picked up by Dutch games publisher uh, Heink Rogers, then based in Japan, because, I, I guess, he, he got hired by a Japanese company, which eventually led to an agreement brokered with Nintendo that saw Tetris bundled with every Game Boy. Rogers later stated, Tetris made Game Boy, and Game Boy made Tetris. Mm-hmm. And there were so this thing. I was going to say there were 35 million units of the Game Boy version sold to date. Yeah. Uh, so this went on show, sort of to the public eye, kind of thing, uh, where you know where it got its genesis at Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, right? That's the precursor to E3, right? That's what eventually evolved. That thing branched off and evolved into E3. Um, I thought the sure. CES still exists. It does, but I think I think the I think the hard gaming portion CES is now all about like like fucking smart refrigerators and shit. I think that the gaming portion oh, in the early, in 1994, I think spun off into E3. Uh, you probably are correct on that, but that makes sense. I mean, I, there's this point at which games would just take over CES, and there, that would be all it would be. Um, right. So yeah, if you listen to Giant Bomb, like Jeff Gersman talks about going to I think CES a bunch before it was E3. Oh yeah, and yeah. Well, because they show game stuff and still do occasionally, uh, but it's not the main draw. Right. Um, So we'll we'll go back into the Game Boy uh, part a little bit more later. Um, So let's move on to Tengen. Okay. Tengen is the console software division of Atari. (laughs) You may have had a couple NES games that were weirdly fucking shaped with black cartridges that were made by Tengen. Yeah, that's exactly. So... They applied for copyright for their Tetris game for the NES, loosely based on the arcade version, and proceeded to market and distribute it under the name Tetris with a backwards R. It was sorry, it was Tetris, the Soviet mind game. Mm-hmm. It had the backwards Cyrillic topography for the, um, for I guess it's the letter Ya technically, but it looks like a backwards mm-hmm. R. Um, disregarding Nintendo's license from Elorg, okay. So they just decided to do this, and they did it. Nintendo contacted Atari Games, claiming that they had stolen the rights to Tetris, whereupon Atari Games sued, believing they had the rights. Because they had the rights to the arcade version. And, it, and they're confused by Russia. So after <laughs> only four weeks on the shelf, the courts ruled that Nintendo was the only company which had the rights to Tetris on home game systems. Tengen's Tetris with the backwards R was recalled with an unknown number of copies sold, the lawsuits between uh, Tengen and Nintendo over the version carried on until 1993. Um, and apparently, the versions are still out there, and they're ex- extremely rare. So if you've got one of these yeah. sitting on your shelf, you need to find out how much it's worth. I think I saw that it it's worth out, like $1,600 sure. on, on a thing I that's, was looking at earlier. That's a good return on investment when you probably bought it for $60 mm-hmm. in like 1993. So. Right, right, right. This is an era at which, by the way, when Nintendo was like fucking crazy Sue happy. Yeah. Uh, this was when they got into the um, into the conflict against Universal Studios over the uh, uh, Kong rights, Donkey Kong and versus King Kong versus all that bullshit. Like these guys were buck wild with the lawsuits around the early '90s, late '80s. Well, I can see why. I mean, 
there's all this weird stuff going on with people just making copies of games and then selling them on their own mm-hmm. platform. So, all right. So now we get to the Nintendo actual release of the game. Um, not just the Game Boy version. So Nintendo released their own version of of Tetris on the NES, developed by Bulletproof Software, like the Game Boy version, so they're very, very similar. It sold 8 million copies worldwide. Uh, it did lack the side-by-side two-player option featured in Tengen's version, so technically it might be considered superior. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo Power reviewed this version and this version alone in its November-December 1989 edition. Uh, the classic Tetris World Championship com- commenced in 2010 and uses the NES version of Tetris as their version. So if you ever see that on like ESPN eight, the Ocho, um, (laughs) that's, that's the version they're playing. This is in my opinion, the superior version of Tetris because while the game boy version is the, like the best selling, the biggest one, that's the one everyone loves and remembers. This one had sort of an iconography to it. Like like the the colors I remember like very keenly and all Mm -hmm. that shit like that. Like it had the, 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 the better sound. If this was based, if this was a mirror version made for home consoles, I mean, imagine that. Imagine somebody making a 3DS game, but then a licensed and developed by the same company version for the Nintendo Switch. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like the Switch version is going to be the better looking, better sounding version, right? Yeah. That's how it goes. I fucking love this game. This NES version is, to me, the definitive version of Tetris. Yep. Um, so let's go talk about the Waz. Steve Waz. Yeah. Um, one of the founders of Apple, in case Fucking you haven't that guy. heard him, heard about that. Um, so he was featured in a Nintendo Power issue as a huge fan and player of Tetris and submitted high scores in the magazine because he used to keep track of high scores for certain games. Um, but he sent in so many high scores that they actually stopped publishing them. <laughs> so what he started to do was submit his scores with his name spelled backwards, and they published that. How funny. Because it turns out fucking video games were not nobody cared like Apparently <laughs> like not. video video game journalism at the time was a joke yeah um so now we talk about the sega version um i promise we're not gonna talk about all of them these are just the ones i thought we should touch on so in 1988 mm. an arcade version was released by sega in japan for the sega system 16 and system e arcade boards it won the japanese mm-hmm. game uh gamest award for game of the year the following year um and it was pretty successful actually it came out um on Famicom's uh, two, I can't say this word, Alex. Tushin. Tushin arcade earnings chart. It was number three in August 19, 1989 and September of 1989. Uh, and then rose to number two in October, overtaking Namco's racing game uh, Winning Run, if you're familiar with that. Um, they released a Tetris game for the Japanese Mega Drive, similar to their arcade release. However, the ensuing blitz of litigation ensured that it was hastily withdrawn. It is estimated that only between five and eight copies were ever even produced. So if you got one of those... That's a $20,000 game, yeah, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that's a Send your kids to college fucking investment. <laughs> for real. But here's what's interesting. is Sega released in 2014... Puyo Puyo Tetris, a multi-platform game that blends yeah. gameplay elements of both Tetris and Puyo Puyo franchises. Hmm. So they got back into the Tetris scene only three years ago. Yeah, and if, if y'all don't fuck with Puyo Puyo, I don't know who you are, man, because that's some good shit. Oh, Bubble Bobble? Fuck yeah, let's get some Bubble Bobble action Ooh. going on. We gotta talk about that sometime. Yeah, yeah, straight up. What's the? Uh, I like the other game better, the one where you um, bust a move. I like Bust yeah. Move more. Bubble Bobble's good. Bust Move is, Bust is my jam. Really yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the Tetris Company. Okay, 
1996, the rights to the game reverted from the Russian state back to Pajitnov himself, who previously had made very little money on the game, like pennies. Yeah, it's almost like communism didn't fucking work, right? So <laughs> uh, he formed the Tetris Company, or we're going to call them TTC from now on, um, claiming to hold copyright registrations for the Tetris products in the U.S. and taking uh, out trademark registrations for Tetris in almost every country in the world. They have licensed the brand to a number of companies, and the U.S. Court of International Trade and the U.S. Customs have uh, at times issued seizure orders to preclude unlicensed Tetris-like games from being imported into the U.S., um, though bulletins circulated by the U.S. Copyright Office state that copyright does not apply to the rules of the game. So it's just like the look. And like, um, later on, I'm going to talk about the board and, and the shapes. Yeah, but that's like – so what that is is saying like um, you can't literally re-release Halo and color Master Chief blue and re-release that game and say that it's a different game and you own it. You can't distribute that in the U.S. But what you can do – is make a first-person shooter game where you do fight aliens and you have real floaty uh, shooting controls and all that kind of, and like, you know, melee and grenades and shit. Like, that's sort of what it is. Right. Um, like, if you think about um, Puzzle Fighter. Yes. Puzzle Fighter is kind of, te- is very Tetris-like, mm-hmm. but it's got so many different elements that make it different than Tetris. Right. Dr. Mario, Dr. also Mario, a great Yeah, there example. was a yeah. Dr. Robotnik's yeah. one, too, for this, on Sega. It was really right. similar Fucking to Fucking Sega. To God Mario. damn it. Like, way to make the Dreamcast, like, the best thing in the world, but god damn, you guys were doing some buckwild shit in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in mid-2006 and in late 1997, TTC's legal counsel sent cease and desist letters to websites on the basis of Tetris-type games infringing on the Tetris trademark, trade dress, and or look and feel copyright, which they actually do have a look and feel, which is <laughs> kind of squishy as far as, as that goes. Um, around 2009, TTC and the Tetris Holding LLC brought legal action against Biosocia Incorporated on the grounds that Biosocia's Blockles game infringed on proprietary <laughs> rights that were held by TTC and Tetris Holding LLC. Um, in September of 2009, the legal case against Biosocia was resolved with Biosocia agreeing to discontinue making the Blockles game available to the public. In May 2010, TTC's legal counsel sent cease and desist letters to Google, insisting that 35 Tetris clones be removed from the Android market, which is not surprising. Again, wild west of apps. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'd be very interested to see how many people made a grip of money on that real quick. Yep. Uh, and a U.S. district court uh, judge ruled in June of 2012 that the Tetris clone Mino from Zio Interactive infringed on the Tetris company's re- copyrights by replicating such elements as the playfield dimensions and the shapes of the blocks. And this is what's interesting to me. Um, the literal dimensions of the, of the playfield are now copyright and have been held up in court, as well as the shapes of the blocks themselves. So Tetris... Uh, the, the TTC owns the rights to those shapes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, and the thing is, is like the reason that works in a legal sense is that Tetris does not work unless that field is that though, are, is made of those exact dimensions, right? Oh, like, I agree. I mean, I guess you, I, I guess you make a taller Tetris, maybe, and it would be it would just take longer to fill a, fill a screen, but like. That's the reason that works, and that's fucking fascinating from a weird, like, a weird nerd obsession I have with the idea of intellectual property. Like, that is a strange concept. This is you know? this is as strange to me as George Lucas owning the word droid. Right. It is literally right. half of the word android. Yep. 
and light lightsaber is a little less egregious than that oh, example, yeah, but totally. also like, you, but also like, you can't call a thing a lightsaber. That's not allowed. You can call it a light sword. You can call it a laser sword. You can call it anything else that means the exact same thing. But you can't say lightsaber. <laughs> no, I, I'm fine with that completely. But droid, like literally, yeah, that's... all droids are androids. Mm-hmm. So I have to wonder. God damn, I gotta look that up because now I have to wonder if that was in use before that, and he just happened to fucking. Like, it was in such ubiquitous use with Star Wars that he was able to get a copyright on that? Or what? Because I feel like that has, to, that has to be, like, in a Philip K. Dick novel somewhere, right? Like I would think so. That's what's you know? crazy about it to me. Um, I mean, we're kind of going off the topic, but it's just that idea of these things being owned by an entity or an individual that I find. I'm not necessarily against it. I'm just – I find it odd. And we get into this weird – fuzzy area gray area yeah that well that's when you that's when you start to think like okay well i support creative endeavors and i support intellectual property and i think it's very important to protect that sort of stuff but also i think that you can definitely and you see it a lot you can definitely make that a sleazy shit practice mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um and that's that's what sucks like you know the idea of for instance you know a, a year or two ago like uh, nintendo issuing uh takedown orders on youtube for people literally having any sort of gameplay on on youtube you know what i mean like like it, you can get weird with it yeah. Uh, so let's talk real quick. Uh, you know, that's basically all the history that I wanted to go over, and that's more than enough. I do. I think it was glossed over, and it's worth noting that, like, until all this trademarking and stuff happened, when he, when the creator regained the rights to the game, he didn't make money off of Tetris until 1996. Like that. That's insane that he made this game and didn't make anything off of it until 96 when he gained the rights back. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's insane. filthy rich now. So uh, I'm okay sure. with them being a, kind of stringent on his rights and all this different stuff. And make sure he's getting yeah. paid for this shit that, he, that we enjoyed for 12 years before he made any money off of it. You know? Oh, yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm just saying that that it blows my mind, though, that he just literally sat and watched the, the Nintendo Game Boy craze happen and Tetris being such a staple of that. And he's just sitting back, like, all right, cool. Like I'm making nothing and still working for the government, getting government paycheck, you know, like that's, that's insane. Oh, if that was yeah. me, I'd be bald in like six months because I'd be so stressed out. Are you kidding me? Yeah. About missing out on all this money that's being made. It's just insane. Off something that I created on a lark and it just blew up my face and I mm-hmm. wasn't able to make profit. Not that I didn't want to, cause I'm sure he did, but like the government forced him, you know, cause he would have had, he probably, Put, a, uh, put him in prison for life, or I don't know, I could have killed him. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, well, that, that that I mean, those type of things are in the Soviet rule of sort of, uh, you know, the USSR. Uh, yeah, dude, that's the kind of shit that got you in the gulag real quick. Real, fast. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, more power to him for winning on, on yeah. in the end. You know, good for you, buddy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the thing is, is like. He's lucky he didn't like die in the meantime. You know what I mean? It could be anything, anything from cancer to old age to get hit by a car to murder. Like it could Mm -hmm. be anything, but like he could have, there's a, there's a long, it's not six months. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're talking like 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. That he saw no return. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the music for the Game Boy version. I think this is the one that really gets stuck in people's head. Mm -hmm. So that was all created by one guy. And I thought it was just a Russian guy, because that makes sense, right? No. It's created by Hirokazu Tanaka. Okay? Nice. Yes. I I finally got it maybe halfway right. Um, (laughs) I can get the Japanese one. 
The player yeah. uh, can select one of three types of um, background music during the game or play with sound effects only. Um, nobody does that because you're Which, a monster. You want to hear yeah. the tracks. Yeah. So two of them uh, are song arrangements of works from other composers. Type A is based on the Russian folk song Korobiniki, uh, or also known as Korobushka. Um, mm-hmm. Listening to that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very good song. It's a song. It's a song all about the meeting between a, a salesman or like a like a like a peddler and a girl haggling over goods in a veiled metaphor for courtship. <laughs> As one sounds does. very Jewy. Yeah, and I say that in a good way. It just sounds like. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, here's the thing, man. Is like yeah, it's always anything Jewy is always meant as a good way, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the the what what sort of the Baltic Jews are like, and, the, and that's sort oh of no, that's like my, a, it. Totally my, makes me think of that for real. Like I'm not. Yeah, even joking. and I was gonna say like when you when you think about like so like my dad, that's their whole family is is all that like Romanian type shit, and like yeah, this absolutely sounds like traditional ass Romanian or Baltic or Russian ass music. You know, it's crazy. It was. This is crazy. That it was done by a fucking Japanese guy. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's just so strange. It doesn't make any sense to my brain. Like, I, I've known a lot of people from this area, and they're all amazing individuals. So it's just kind of funny that I think of these people, and it's some Japanese guy who arranged it. You know, right? Um, but it immediately takes me to that place. And then Type C is an arrangement of French Suite Number no. Three in B minor. Uh, and B, I don't know, BWV 814 Minuet, transposed to F minor, F sharp if you, minor. If you, if you pull it up, it's a box. Oh, yeah, you it's pull a box. It up, yeah. you'll, you'll, know, you'll know exactly what yeah. it is. I mean. And it, that'll be playing underneath right now, so. There you go. Yeah, yeah get some of that Bach music. <laughs> so the compositions for Type A and B can be unlocked for use in the, on the Luigi Mansion stage in Super Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're familiar, and can once again be unlocked for use in Super Smash Brothers for uh, the 3DS and the Wii U. The best version. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Type A can be unlocked uh, for the Smash uh, Run mode in the 3DS uh, version and for use on the Luigi Mansion stage on the Wii U version, while Type B can be unlocked for use on the Wushu Island stage on the Wii U version only. So if you're getting your fix, that may be you know a place where our younger listeners um, know it from and not from right. the Game Boy version. Mm-hmm. Um, so, God, Super Smash Brothers is so good. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> when did that come out? Is, it, is that in our wheelhouse? Ninety nine, sweet ninety nine. I think sweet. was the was the sixty four. I remember playing that. Yep, yep. Um, so let's talk about the weird physical games that Hasbro was was licensed to create. I own one of these. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's literally somewhere in my house. Okay. So, in 2013, TTC signed a contract with Hasbro to make a Boppet-style game, the uh, Tetris-themed, and a Jenga-style game. Shit. Uh-huh. I had that bop Okay, so first of all, I fucking love Boppet. I don't know what... <laughs> I love Boppet. That shit came out originally, like, in the early 90s. I was, like, eight, nine years old, and that was my shit. Uh, I remember seeing this in stores, and I think I might have bought it for my oldest son at one point like hey man it's tetris and bop it you'll look and hated <laughs> how it, it did, went wait, to a box how somewhere does tetris fit in the bop it at all okay so the bop it tetris is an audio game and has several game modes including marathon and pass it which is pretty typical for a bop it yeah. um, in marathon mode the player has four lives and has to complete the puzzles with the square lights um, the game unit has three actions which are slam it uh, which slams the top part of the device down slide it a screen which can rotate from left to right and spin it 
So it's actually just a regular bop it, but it's Tetris themed. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually think there's any tie-in other than it. it well, it has lights and shit. Okay, well, so the, the other lights are Tetris. Yes. Well, bop it's are bop it, pull it, and twist it. Okay, so slam mm-hmm. it, slide it, and spin it. Man, that sounds bop it, pull it, twist it. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! I don't know what it is, but that song is like I I still I can recall that bop it shit in my head, man. <laughs> I'm actually more interested in the Jenga Tetris uh, because it, the Tetris shapes are the Jenga shapes. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's tricky as fuck too, though. Yeah, I'm thinking of the of the T shape is going to be really difficult to take out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite so bad when you think about it. I mean, like it's um, if I remember right, it's a <sighs> you can you can work it. I mean, Jenga is a very simple game, right? Like. The thing about Jenga, I'm really good at it, so I don't know, maybe that's just me, but, like, the thing about Jenga is the trick is to fucking just nail that piece out completely straight, no angles, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people try to finesse it and slide the piece. You don't want to do that. You want to just fucking nail that thing and it'll go out. Um, I flick more often than not. That's how I play Jenga. But anyway, um, the Tetris Jenga, you yeah, it, it uses... Bro. You flick it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Flick that block. That's my favorite Waka Flocka song. Um, but, yeah, with these, you can't necessarily do that because they have angles to them and they sort of interlock. So it becomes a fucked up, horrible version of Jenga where you have to, you have to sit there with that anxiety of like, is this thing gonna fall on? That's you? what I'm saying. It's really, it's gonna be way more tense than. I don't know. I don't like it. I think it, I'm interested in it, but I don't think I would actually like playing it. I think yeah, I. Yeah, it looks it. super intense. Best version of best version of Jenga, Donkey Kong Jenga. All the block is it's literally just Jenga normal, but all the blocks look like the fucking girders from Donkey Kong. It's very good. I'll take that for sure. I've seen that. I want. I want one of those. You should buy it. It's very good. I have it in my house. It's awesome. Uh, So before we get into reception and legacy, let's talk about the effects of Tetris on the brain. I found this very interesting. This is the most fascinating thing about Tetris to me, like, by and and far. Yeah. I mean, by and large. So according to research from Dr. Richard Heyer um, and others, uh, prolonged Tetris activity can also lead to more efficient brain activity during play, but it's only during play. So when first playing Tetris, brain function activity increases. Um, along with greater cerebral energy consumption, measured by glucose metabolic rate. So as a Tetris player becomes more proficient, their brains show reduced consumption of glucose, indicating more efficient brain activity for the task of playing Tetris. Moderate play of Tetris half an hour a day for three months boosts general cognitive functions such as critical thinking, reasoning, language and processing, and increases cerebral cortex thickness. Okay, so your brain's actually growing. Yeah. While you're playing this, that's game. the thing. Your your body has a physical reaction beyond the dopamine reception of success and reward and all that shit. Your body has a physical reception that it increases the thickness of your cerebral cortex. That's buck wild. That is insane. And it's not that other games don't. It's not like playing Halo doesn't have some sort of a fucking. I mean, to use the analogy again, doesn't have some sort of effect on your uh, ability to like identify uh, small targets and things. And you, you go, you know, any take any fucking study you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But the craziest part to me, there's another part of the Tetris effect that I want to talk about when we get through this, but, like, the craziest thing to me is this literally, this game has been measured, has been weighed and measured, and has been found motherfucking succeeding, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this thing does shit to your mind. That's cool. Yeah. Um, going on about that, so in January 2009, an Oxford University research group headed by Dr. Emily Holmes reported in Plus One, which I believe is a uh, journal for, for medical professionals, um, that for healthy volunteers, playing Tetris soon after viewing traumatic material in the laboratory reduced the number of flashbacks to those scenes in the following week. They hmm, believe damn. that Tetris may disrupt, 
the memories that are retained of the sights and sounds witnessed at the time and which are later re-experienced through involuntary distressing flashbacks of that moment. The group hopes to develop this approach further as a potential intervention to reduce the flashbacks experienced in PTSD, but emphasize that these are only preliminary results. That another thing that this thing so this does is, is like, literally distract you and takes you away from bad memories. So it's saying like if you're like yeah. a trauma nurse, like if you immediately after right. your shift go and play some Tetris, like th- what you saw that day that you poss- possibly take home with you and it'll fuck you up in the, in the future, like you have a lot less effect of that. Not a lot, but now, it would lessen the effect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this implies that you would have less in the way of like waking up in the middle of the night because you had a bad dream about that thing, yeah. or like you're eating lunch and you're and, and suddenly the in, the image of like a dude who was on a motorcycle and in a bad accident, like his yeah. brains on the fucking stretcher on your head. Mm-hmm. The craziest part to me um, is that like how much of this. So what I, so what I wonder is with a lot of results that are reported, right? Um, that, that are sort of disseminated to the non-academic community like us. Um, you have to wonder, is it unique to Tetris? Is it because of the specific formula and the geometry of it and, 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 and the, the rhythm and the, and the feel of it? Is it that? Or is it just how after a couple minutes, like once you understand what Tetris is and once you get past the initial, like you've never played Tetris before and you learned how to play it, is it just the mindlessness mm-hmm. coupled with the sense of accomplishment from being good at Tetris, like, like getting a Tetris or, 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 or clearing the board or whatever, right? My like, guess, and this is just off the cuff and, and thinking about it for just literally his last 10 seconds as you talked about it is that I, I think you could get similar, but maybe less of this effect with doing uh, puzzles. Like uh, I was going to say jigsaw, jigsaw puzzles. puzzles. Shit, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this is basically a fast jigsaw puzzle and people do jigsaw puzzles and they, ha- I believe they've done studies where it shows that it improves memory and, and some of these things. It does. And they're, they're very cathartic in, in, in the practice of doing them. So this is actually a good point. So there's another, there's two more studies I want to talk about. So there's one by professor Jackie Andrade and John May from Plymouth university. Uh, they have a cognition Institute and a PhD student, Jessica Storka Brown, that shows that playing Tetris can give quick and manageable fixes for people struggling to stick to diets or quit smoking and drinking. So if, if we look at that on top of it, um, as well as this other one that says that playing Tetris has been found to treat adolescents and amblyopia uh, lazy eye, which was better than pitching, patching a victim's well eye to train his weaker eye. Man, I actually have a little bit of that. I should probably play some Tetris. Check it out. Yeah. Is that playing this game focuses your brain. Like it, it, it literally... It, it, you're you're putting imaginary boxes in slots and then having them go away. And I think that that like simple action that's really quick and repeatable and makes a lot of sense to the brain, like actually bolsters it, you know? It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so amblyopia is a weird thing because I worked in a um, in an optician's office, made eyeglasses. We were connected to a doctor's office. So I was, you know, constantly dealing with this stuff for a couple of years. Um, and amblyopia that still to, to this day, like the main practice for it is to develop some sort of patch or you will frost one lens of the glasses so that the other eye is, uh, either your stronger or weak eye, depending on what they, how they want to handle it. Um, they'll block off one eye. So the, the eyes sort of learn to strengthen themselves naturally. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The fact that you don't have to do this to a, imagine doing this to a kid, right? So imagine being six, seven years old. And by the way, the meanest people you're ever going to meet in your life are going to be children mm-hmm. right they have an inherent good in them in that you like you you can't go to a kid on the playground and be like go slap that kid they'll be like what the fuck are you talking about but they're also very cruel when it comes to social aspects right so when you have kids who are 
wearing an eye patch or who have one single frosted lens and so their glasses look weird. Like, they're going to get made fun of. Or it's, it's, just, it's at least going to raise questions, natural questions among the other children. And when you can use this to not only treat PTSD, not only increase, like, cognitive abilities, but also, like, you can treat this lazy eye, which is a muscular issue. It's not a brain issue. It's a muscular issue. Like, that's fucking nuts to me, you know? I would also be willing to bet you that if they were to have a, a psychologist involved in these studies, they'd also witness self-esteem improvement as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, as my armchair fucking understanding of the human body goes. Well, like... I mean, if your brain's growing and all these things are happening, then you're... And, and part of the part of playing games that are quick and that are that give you that high instantaneously of accomplishment is that you feel better about yourself because you've done something. Well, yeah. So really quick. So um, there was a time when Tetris was one of those Facebook games back in the days of Farmville, right? You're talking like 2009, mm-hmm. 2010, right? Mm-hmm. Tetris was a game you could play there. Now I think there's a version of it you can play through the Facebook Messenger app and stuff. And it was a fun way to like challenge my friends, and I would fuck people up in Tetris because my thing is I'm just good at it. And the fact that I've come out like three or four different times on this show and said I'm really fucking good at Tetris, <laughs> when I'm not, I don't feel like a very braggadocious person. You know what I mean, like I don't feel like I don't. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't have the highest self-esteem in the world. So I feel like maybe you're onto something there because I do feel good about being good at Tetris. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when i'm playing tetris i feel amazing the rest of the time total crap i'm the yeah, worst it's pretty bad actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so there is one potential downside to playing all this tetris so it has been noted to oh. cause the brain to involuntary picture tetris combinations even when you're not playing it they call it the tetris effect and this is what i knew was a tetris effect before i knew of these studies for this show this is what i knew yeah so it it can, can occur with any kind of computer game or situation showing repeated images or scenarios such as a jigsaw puzzle. Like people play a lot of jigsaw puzzles, see jigsaw mm-hmm. puzzle pieces everywhere. So it's just something to be aware of. If you're playing a lot of Tetris and you see somebody, you know, see a, an L walking down the street saying hi to you as you go get your coffee in the morning, <laughs> don't freak out. Right. So, just, so here's, you know, here's how this is manifested in my life, right? This is a couple different things. So one, Tetris, obviously, right? Like you start to see things as like the ability to stack them and how they fit together, like the stack of books on your shelf and you're like, oh yeah, totally. Like I see, I, I get that. And you make this correlation, you're like, fuck, that's like Tetris. And that's weird, but that's just an association. Here's a, here's a time when I had what is called the Tetris effect, but it wasn't through Tetris itself. I was playing a game called Ultima Online. It's an old MMORPG, right? It's isometric, so it's like Diablo, it's top down, but you had eight directional movement, right? So it simulates a pretty good 3D situation, but you can basically move up, down, left, right, and then the cardinal four directions around that. Um, I came down a flight of stairs one time, and there was a laundry basket at the bottom of the stairs. And I've been playing, this was like, I was like 14, 15, I was playing Ultima Online every day, all day of summer break, you know. And I come downstairs, and I literally stopped, and I was like, I can't fucking get around this because in the games, if that, if that exi- if I was presented with that situation in the game world, my character would not be able to walk around this thing. And you like, so I was, I stopped for like half a second and I looked at this and was like, fuck, I'm, I'm stuck. Oh, funny. And then I, I came to like, you know, like I said, it was only like a second or two and I came to, and I was like, oh fuck, just move this thing. What the fuck? This is ultimately, I've been playing too much UO, you know? Yeah. But like, that is an example of the Tetris effect. It's weird shit. I played a lot of Minecraft in the, in the like, late 2000s, and I woke up from my bed one morning, and I looked at my wall, and I saw, like, everything was sort of aligned in a block format, and was like, that's fucked up. But, again, you, that's the Tetris effect, man. That's how it goes. <laughs> I don't get that at all. Minecraft's bad for it. Oh, I bet. I bet it's very similar uh, to Tetris. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the legacy and the reception to this game, which... 
not surprising, is very good. Pretty uh, good. Compute Magazine called the IBM version one of the most addictive computer games this side of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> what a topical statement. <laughs> uh, it is not the game to start if you have work to do or an appointment to keep. Mm-hmm. Consider yourself warned. Uh, Orson Scott Carr joked that the game proves that Russia still wants to bury us. I shudder to think of the blow to our economy as computer productivity drops to zero. <laughs> Noting that Tetris was not copyright protected, he he wrote, obviously the game is meant to find its way into every American machine. It's just hilarious that he thinks it's some sort of insidious plot to destroy <laughs> well, American. I, I mean, he it's 1988, joking. so. He was yeah, it's also, it's also fucking Orson Scott Card. He wrote goddamn Ender's Game. Like, the guy's kind of, he's kind of nuts. I do Didn't love that he book, write though. that one that one Xbox game also that was supposed well, to be so, like, so, so, Shadow Game? Well, so, so, no. no, it no. was um, it was supposed to be a three part game, but the, only the one came yeah. out, and it was very fucking bad. I had a T shirt from the fucking. I didn't game. think I it was that it bad. Was. I remember really liking the game. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm, I can't remember I'm what it is. I'm my head. You pull it up. It. Let me know. Oh, Peter David wrote Shadow Complex. My apologies. My apologies. Uh, yeah, Advent Rising. That's it. I had a fucking T-shirt that yep. I won in a goddamn video game tournament at a game, at an EB Games once. Yep. That I, and I wore that shirt proudly because, as you wear all free things, <laughs> uh, it gets thrown in the wardrobe. And I remember, like three or four years later, just being like pulling it out of the closet and being like, "Why the fuck do I have I this?" I didn't hate that game. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so, Computer Gaming World gave Tetris the 1989 Compute with an exclamation point choice award <laughs> for arcade game, describing it as by far the most addictive game ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game won three Software Publishing Association Excellence in Software Awards in 1989, including Best Entertainment Program and the Critics' Choice Award for Consumers. Let's uh, just, uh, all, while all these awards are being won, the dude who created it's not making any money, by the way. Exactly. Just, just and he's not yeah. there to accept the awards either. Yep. You know, he designed right. the game. So who's accepting awards? Like Russian government officials? Like Probably. Thank you. I, thank you very much. Maybe, we are amazing. Maybe. Actually, I don't even know that they would have cared enough at the time to accept the rewards because this was also the time. This is also the time when games journalism would have magazines. And they would they would like have a cup like the cover of the magazine would be like an interview with all the local vidiots at fucking Alameda, like fucking arcades. I mean, it, it was just a bad fucking time for reward awards, rewards, and game coverage. Like it was all awful. Yeah, so let's skip forward quite a bit past that horrible time to 2007 um, at the Game Developers Conference. The Library of Congress took up the video game preservation proposal and began with 10 games, one of which was Tetris. Sure, fuck yeah. Which I think is funny because looking back on it, you know, this is only less than 20 years since the Cold War ends. And this game from Mother Russia is in the Library of Congress uh preservation program for video games mm-hmm. yeah but at this time at this time in the american reckoning of shit like nobody gave a fuck about russia vladimir putin was cool to the general public and to like the internet meme lords of the fucking age and we were more worried about north korea than anything you know no, i, mean? I know like, it's just like very fascinating like time this is less than 20 years later and it's completely different you know uh playing yeah. field mm-hmm. and and the zeitgeist and and everything is totally just 180. See, and that's how, that's how you know you're getting old, though, is when, like, you're starting to be able to say things like 15, 20 years ago and you remember what that was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, 20 years isn't really all that much. It's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> now nah, I feel horrible. Yep. Uh, so that's how I am when I can say I literally did something 15 years ugh. ago and I'm like, just fucking shoot yeah, me. I'm it's done. It's over. 
Uh, in 2009, Game Informer put Tetris third on their list of the top 200 games of all time, saying that if a mm-hmm. game could be considered ageless, it's Tetris. True. Uh, game Informer staff also placed it third on their 2001 list of the 100 best games ever. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly's 100th issue had Tetris as first place in the greatest game of all time. In 2007, it came in second place in IGN's 100 greatest video games of all time list as well. EGM, it's okay to be wrong sometimes, because I understand that that first place is actually Super Mario World, and I get that. That's cool. Uh, second, I'll give second place <laughs> to Tetris. That's okay. I can, I can, I'll allow you to think that. <laughs> it's top ten for sure. Absolutely. Tetris is unreal. Uh, in January 2010, it was announced that uh, the Tetris mach- uh, franchise had sold over 170 million copies, approximately 70 million of which were physical, and the other 100 million uh, cell phones or digital, making it the best paid downloaded game of all time um mm. and guinness world records has recognized it as being the most ported game in history appearing in excess of 65 different platforms so i said 40 plus this says 65 yeah. it's probably more than that now because i did this in 2011 that was... yeah exactly and to put some of those sales numbers in into perspective like the idea that so a recent game well a game in recent memory if you want to call it that um, around the time, around this time, 2011, uh, Skyrim came out, right? Skyrim sold to date, I believe, 23 million copies. So, like, a game that's sort of as ubiquitous in, like, our modern mindset is Skyrim, yeah. um, has sold a fucking fraction of what Tetris sold. Now, granted, Tetris had a long run and enough time to do it, but that's buck wild, dude. And like, I, 170 million copies? Holy shit. I think that's actually conservative. My guess is it's probably in the $200 million or $200 million unit range just because there are so many different versions. Like, how can they even calculate it? Right. And especially when we look at the stuff we talked about, like this sort of Wild West age of, like, what was going on and the way that, like, so the way that you track down things like uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was, let's be honest, that's halfway through video games lifespan, right? Like, at this point, it's like, it's like, a, it's a, little bit before halfway through video games mm-hmm. but we still aren't sure how many like how the um dispersion of super mario and the nintendo and duck hunt went because a lot of those things were sold in like certain mom and pop shops in new york city literally sold by higher up executives at nintendo to shop owners and stuff so like at some point a lot of that early shit you can't even keep track of you like who the fuck knows how many copies have been sold now once you get to like the mid 90s early 90s and mid 90s we had a lot of hard data on that stuff especially as things began to be computerized but at some point when all your records are on paper and somebody closes down that building and somebody bought the building and the people who owned it before had all these records and they left them behind and those people threw them all in a fucking furnace to get rid of them and make room for robots or whatever like you have no idea you know yeah no it's it's all a loss of time i i work in an industry that took notes on paper for the last Five thousand years. years, you know. Yeah. Um, so we just had somebody uh, retire, and he shredded five bins worth of records that were, you know, all digitized. Were they digitized They're first? all digitized, or okay. they were copies that he kept because he's paranoid. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, I think they were still doing stuff on Thursday or Friday when he, that was his last day. So. I mean, he worked there for 30 years. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, but it is 2017. So... Yeah, it's it's just... It's wild to think about the idea of what... Um, 
I mean, if you look at like, this is getting off topic and I know we're about to close the show out for crypto, but I just like, you look at the idea of what paper bookkeeping is in this early age of shit and trying to track things like hard data on large scale shit, like international or national shit. It's mind blowing. I mean, that's how the whole premise of Fight Club worked, right? That was the whole idea behind it. Like was literally blow up five buildings in a city and all the paper documents are gone. Like that's in 2017, that makes no sense, but in the 80s and 90s like yeah maybe yeah um i don't know it's crazy it's I, so i wonder because from a from a preservation standpoint it's hard to understand and it's hard to reconcile like the history of video games because so much of this was outside of the mainstream as it is today um that like i mean we had a collapse before the nes happened you know what i mean yeah and at that time when nobody was paying attention and nobody cared about it how much of that shit was actively being you know, recorded and, and kept and preserved. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's lost the time. We'll never know what the true number is. Um, but it's a lot. Let's put it that way. So yeah. hope you guys have enjoyed. Sorry, Brandon. We probably didn't let you talk nearly as much as, uh, no, you're good. You guys have, have a lot more, a lot more to say. Uh, I, I appreciate the game, but I didn't know much about the history. So yeah, no, it's, it's a wild and crazy time in software and, just the Russian thing kind it's of. It's probably definitely the perfect game link. to talk to talk about when you talk about that stuff, like how, what a new concept it was to have these, this kind of media now, and what yeah. and what to do with yeah. it. Yeah, I will probably. Um, uh, we kind of touched about it when we did Doom, I think, a little bit as well, because that game was freely copied. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I touched on it, but that was the night that I made a thousand bad MS Paint fucking pictures <laughs> and got super drunk and had a random like surprise guest on the show. So like, who, that was probably a bad episode. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But we'll probably touch on it again because this is not the last time that uh, mm-hmm. weird copyright stuff uh, happened in video games, no. especially not not. I can think of at least like three different games in particular that I want to cover where that's going to be weird. Yeah, so. I look forward to that in the future. Um, stick around for Crypto Geekology, where I'm going to try to stump these guys. But, man, they just keep guessing all my stuff. So We're going to bring we'll in see. Heather. Make something happen. Yep. we got to yeah, yeah, bring in the ringer. ringer. She'll get it, I'm sure. <laughs> and on that note, guys, uh, play more Tetris. Get those uh, the big, long eye blocks down and get those four lines out of the way. Mm. We'll be right back. Is that called performing a Tetris, by the way? It is. Yeah, that's that a Tetris. There you go. All right, guys, we're back. Hope you slid those blocks into the right place. Yes, that is a sexual innuendo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here to do Crypto Geekology. It's our 20 questions game. None of this back-to-the-box bullshit or whatever where I lose to Alex for not knowing the backs of video game boxes like he does for some reason because he's younger than me. I don't understand. I don't what know what there. it was, man, but I had this. I just, I just, I got it. You know what I mean? And, and I got to ridicule him because this is a take two of uh, Crypto because yes. he lost the first track. Yeah, so, so yes, we, uh, we did a track. We did, we, we did a track. <laughs> I saved over it. 
and here we are yet again. I've also I so not only have I inconvenienced uh, Brandon and Caleb, but I've also pulled Heather back again. Yep. For, for the second time tonight yep. to record this bullshit. So I will say that they won. There was contention over some of their questioning. Yes, we did win. And they were be, perfect in Caleb's crazy. I'm going to be very very strict on these questions. Okay, so. so what we have to do, guys, as a team. We have to dial these questions in very particular because Caleb has gone full motherfucking dictionary nerd. Yes. So let's do it. <laughs> he went, he, he, he to took, nail you to the wall. Yeah, he took the Soviet inspiration of Tetris really seriously this week. Jesus. And he's taking shit real serious. <laughs> All, All right. right. So we're going to do a film. We're not we're – doing, we're doing films. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the theme. We're going to go youngest to oldest, as always. So starting with Alex and then Heather and then Brandon. So – Okay, I'm going to steal it. Um, it. Was this film made after January 1st, 1990? Yes. Okay. Was this film 90s. an animation? Was it an animated film? Yeah. No. Okay. Is this game Quake? <laughs> no. God damn it, Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to count that as your guess. You I lost won. the game. We win the game. <laughs> Um, okay, is this, so it's a 90s non-animated, is this a comedy film? Mm, yes. You know what sucks about this, by the way, is that now we can never do cryptoquigology on Quake 3 again. <laughs> because at some point we're Wait, there. I'm we still confused it. whether it was Quake or Quake 3. It so. was Quake, so you could do Quake 3 because totally. Quake you could do 3 is Quake 3. a sequel. But I think did Quake they, 3 came out in like 2001. Did they so. re-release Quake 3? Did they re-release this game as a browser run? <laughs> like, anyway, um, okay, so non-animated. What was your guess comedy. there, Caleb? Comedy. Okay, so it's a, a comedy. comedy. Yep. Made after 1990. Very good. Um, it is not What About Bob. So do you want uh, to knock out, like, comedies in the 90s are easy to, like, like, knock out some star? actors. Fucking, really? Say, did, this, did this movie star Adam Sandler is my question. No. Okay. I would have gone Billy like... Crystal in this movie? Jesus. <laughs> no. Throw it away, <laughs> gonna, guys. We were just going to throw... I was going to go for a lot broader way. <laughs> can, you tell, can you tell this is the second take? <laughs> exactly. I was going to go with, like, um, does does this movie star... A former or current SNL cast Ooh. member. Ooh. No. Okay. Very, that's so a that, fucking good question, though. Yeah. It's a 90s comedy. That's where you got to go, right? You got to start uh, let's, spitting let's, out fucking random people. I went to Billy people. Crystal, so... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So let's lean a little bit harder on that like kind of broad but also weirdly specific uh, standpoint. Does this movie star a current at the time of filming? Or former child actor, well, well, a person who was known as a child actor, not a person who maybe had like a commercial role in the seventies, but like was was did this movie star a child actor? I need to check. Hold on. By star, I mean like as a not like yeah. fucking Macaulay Culkin had a fucking like, cameo role in the background. I, I don't think so. no. Okay, no. you wouldn't consider them a child actor. I would not. I, nothing came to mind. Let's put it that okay, way. So okay, so JTT is not in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that? What was that movie? What was the one was that with the one Tim, Tim Allen? Allen? The one with Tim no, no, Allen. Wasn't, that the wasn't fucking, Tim Allen. The, it was Chevy Chase. There was one with him with Tim Allen, though. I thought. Yeah, uh, that oh, was, was that? Absolutely that was Home Improvement. Oh, that was Home Improvement. God, <laughs> we're all. <idiots. laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like that's no, Home Improvement, bro. Fucking, I'm done. 
No, they did a movie because there was a, there was a touching yeah. Boy Scout scene where he had like a whole the whole Native American headdress yeah. and there was yeah. I'm looking that at was a Chevy up. Chase. I'm fine. That was, that was, that was not was... Man of the House stars JTT and Tim Allen and Martin yeah. Short. Boom. Oh, it's not. That's not the one with the Indian. Yes, it I is. I know that. God damn it! All right, know. so whose question okay. is it? Anyway, it's Heather's oh, question. Chevy Chase is in this as well. What so we're is all happening? Thinking of this Chevy Chase is on the GD cover of it, man. It's Chevy Chase and JTT. <laughs> don't don't go telling me Tim Allen may have Fucking... a bit part in it, but he is not the star of that film. This is awful. <laughs> this is bad. This, you guys are killing me. You guys it's don't late. know this movie at all. My sister, my yeah, sister also, was yeah. in the fan club for JTT. Also, I know man this movie. I saw it like seven times. I had no choice. Do right, not tell Heather, me he was in that up. film. It's not a child actor, SNL actor, but it's a '90s comedy. Is the starring role played by a man or a woman, or played by a man? <laughs> so the main character. Yeah. No. Okay. No. That's actually, damn. Okay. Mm. That's interesting. Is this a romantic comedy? Yes. Fuck. This is goddamn mad about you. That's a show. That's a show. Is it a show? I mean, no, 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 I wasn't. You know what I was actually thinking of, which is fucked up? I was thinking of fucking You Got Mail. I which is things that all sitcoms are just long form oh, films. You Got Mail is so good. Yeah. It's like one of my guilty also, pleasures. 100%. Caleb, you nailed it. All sitcoms to me are just very long form films. That's all. That's how they do um, Shit. So it's, whose turn is it? It's my it's turn. Brandon's turn. It's Brandon's turn. Is it? What? He just okay. asked about the rom-com. Yeah, I just asked rom-com. Okay. Then Heather asked about. No, I asked. She asked about the male star, and I asked if it's a rom com. Oh, you're so right. So it's right. a you said woman yes. main. Oh, romantic comedy. Shit, I don't. That is so far outside my wheelhouse. Right? Um, okay, babe, I'm gonna rely on you very hard for this. I hope you clutch this for us. Um, okay, a woman led romantic comedy from the '90s. Um, think Julia Roberts. That's, yeah, I was yeah, going to go gonna Julie say, Roberts. Yeah. Okay, so listen. Here's my theory. Um, you you should ask a question like, did these people star in a movie together twice because Julie Roberts and Richard Gere did that and also Meg mm-hmm. Ryan and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Fuck, okay, I'm going to take that as my question. Did these, did these people star in a movie, uh, the main character star in a movie with her, with her second in command twice? More than once. More than once. More than once. I can't answer that question. You just don't know. Uh, I would Robertson have to go down a, a very that, long. Yeah, okay. Road if that, of... that that is a bad question to ask, and that it's a good question, but it's a it's a hard one to answer. Yeah, so it's then, a hard to look up. So okay, I'll get something different then. Um, what about Bob? Uh, what about Julie Roberts? <laughs> um, fucking okay. What question are we on right now, Caleb? Uh, this would be Six, ten. Ten. Oh goddamn. Okay. Okay, did this movie star Julia Roberts? No. Okay. And this is in the 90s? Yeah. Nineties rom-com. So maybe... Female so, lead. So we've done a couple... We've done a few, like, Hail Mary fucking specific questions. I think we should do something like maybe... Like, bisect the decade? Or... Yeah, but I something. don't know that in my... I don't. I oh, don't you're not. Have okay, you don't have like okay. that in my head. All right, all right, all right. Okay. But if it's what about like a starring... setting? Would a setting help you? No. Mm, yeah, because everything's gonna be set in a city, vaguely yeah. Seattle. 
that's about how everything works. Seattleers, New York. Is it modern? Is it a modern times? You know, is it set in modern? Dude, I don't know if many historical rom-coms. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, of I would fucking argue that fucking, uh, what's the what? fucking Heath Ledger movie we love? A Knight's Tale. Oh, fuck oh, yeah. True. That's a great, but he's obviously, he's obviously the lead. What about, what's that uh, one that Meg That's also, Ryan like, and after uh, Hugh Jackman did together? Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good one. I love he's Hugh from Jackman, the past. I don't know. He's from the past. He's like a Victorian, like, yeah. As it turns out, Hugh Jackman's in a lot of time travel or like long-lived person movies. Right. Kate um, and Leopold. Okay. Kate and Leopold. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, But okay, so I don't have anything for you, babe. You're going to have to lead You're you're literally leading the charge on this one. Okay. You are. Uh <laughs> I ain't gonna this lie. I fuck with some rom-coms. I like This them. is 11 and I need a I need a question. I know. Hold on. I'm thinking Trying not to make it specific, but also clear. Even if it doesn't help you, maybe just do what I said. Maybe just bisect the decade, and that will help Brandon and I maybe a little bit. It might. It could. If you don't, I'm going um, to. If, so. All right, did it come out after 1195? Mm. Hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> One moment. Like, you don't got a fucking IMBD yes, right there in front it did. of you? It did. Okay. Okay, so... So a late '90s rom-com where the female is the lead. Is that? Does I'm, I'm, I'm not misinterpreting that, out? Caleb. Right? That was our info that the female is the lead. Yeah. The high bill. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was okay. very clear. I'm just making sure I'm, I'm right on that. Okay. So like, clueless maybe is a thing, but Ooh. I don't know. rom-com. I was just thinking about Paul Rudd because we were talking about DRM and bad and like bad early nineties like like weird <laughs> shit and I just thought I thought about that bad commercial with but Paul Rudd for the Super out? Nintendo. I thought it I was gonna say how did 90s. he even get into that? I don't need, I don't. <laughs> he did a really with. awful Zelda like Zelda commercial for the Nintendo or Super Nintendo. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that came out like ninety three. No, Clueless was much later. Clueless really? was like ninety seven maybe. Oh. I don't want to look it up because I feel like any any web browser activity is cheating. So like, but yeah. I feel like that was much later. Okay, um, is this? See, he kind of looked up the child, the kid act. Okay, ooh, but like like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Did she do things? He likes Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, she did a few I movies. Mean, she did. Um, what's the one that like? It's like a. Um, it's the party movie of the guys, the, the dude's like in love with her and he wrote her the love note and it gets lost at the party. I know what you're talking about. What's that called? Uh, What's the name of that movie? Seth Green was in it. Yeah, he's like the goofy and like, uh, um, all right, is this, is it a, uh, is this considered like a teen party movie? Like, is it one of those in that genre of like American Pie and whatever I'm trying to think of the title right now? Like, is it yeah. one of those? In other words, in other words, I feel like Brandon, not to not to interject on your question, but I feel like like to maybe help Caleb understand, is this something that would appeal to the American Pie to the scary movie crowd, or is this something that would appeal to the late twenty something? I haven't been married yet, and all I have is cats crowd. <laughs> is it is it a like I, I can't think of another way to put that genre like the teen party that teen party? Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. There was a ton of them. 
Like, is it um, on the list? What's the name of this movie? I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, it's just kill me. I can't think of the name of this movie. God, that's awful. Um, shit, it goes back to me, doesn't it? So, it does. um, that Blink One Eighty Two hmm. songs in it? Damn it! Like, got the, it's on the soundtrack. Blink One Eighty Two. Damn it is on the soundtrack. God, it's like I played. I played. Damn it! At a fucking never mind. I love that song. It's I was really the Blink One Eighty Two songs. Ones. It's my favorite Blink da, 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 da. Yeah, very good. Um, so, mm. I know I'm trying to yeah, think this, random really hard. This is a nebulous thing, and then like I don't even know where like where to go with questions. It's not that I don't know what the answer is. It's like I just don't even know where to fucking get us there. Ooh, what um, about like ten things I hate about you? Would you oh, consider ninety nine? Was you would yeah? Let's would you consider pleasure. Julia Stiles the lead in that? Yeah, she was the main character. Yeah, yes. It was either her or her little sister were the main characters, but I feel like she was more because it went to more of her Mm -hmm. backstory. When did that come out, though? I have no idea. I feel like that was 99, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it was like right like 2000, right there. I feel Um, like it was out when I was in high school, so I figured it would be 90s. Shit, man. Do you guys have any questions you want me to throw out? Anything on your mind? There's also, like, she's... She's all that. When did that come out? I've never seen any of these movies. I've never seen hmm. Ten Things I Hate About You. Like I've never seen about, any of these movies. I'm trying to think. Ask a question, please. Uh, okay. Um. Okay. Did this? We've already bisected the decade, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fuck. What question are we on, Caleb? Ask a Jennifer. Uh, this will be thirteen. Okay, so we've got we've got a little bit ahead of us. Not a whole lot, but we can maybe narrow this down. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go for the fucking for the additional, and I'm gonna say. Did this movie come out after January 1st, 1997? No. Ooh. Okay. Wow, that's good, dude. Okay, so it's not 10 Things I Hate About You. It could still be that other movie that I really fucking want another name of. It could be like a 95. It's taking everything I have not to just pull up that idea. Like, I know. I know it's going to come to me. I know it's just going to like click what the name of that movie is. Because what's the, the girl in Dharma and Greg? That that actress, she's in it too. Jenna she like plays Elfman. like a, like the guardian angel he meets at the bus stop. Hey, do you guys remember that show, Early Edition? By the way, yeah, that was a bad show that was. Okay, should I ask about a specific actor that's in that movie, Brandon? If you want to, um, like Jennifer Love Hewitt is definitely like the fe- the lead. She's the female. She's the lead. I had a rap album once that literally in the, the can't hardly wait. Track, can't hardly, Can't hardly wait. wait. Oh my god! I had called. a rap album one time that literally in the outro track, as they were thanking everybody from like fucking Linus Torvald and like everybody else, they literally think thanked Jack in the Box tacos and Jennifer Love Hewitt's cleavage. Oh, I love good. it. Okay, I'm, a, so... I'm a way a fan. I eat more Jack in the Box tacos now than I ever had in my life. All Is Jennifer time. Love Hewitt in this movie? No. God damn it! I hate wasting that much wow. time. All right. You guys are killing me here. All right, Brandon, You're come on. I'm killing everyone right now, dude, because now I'm totally lost. Now I'm completely lost. A 95 or 96 romantic comedy with a female lead that's not Julie Roberts. It's not Jennifer Love Hewitt. What are we on? We're on 15 now? Yeah. This will be 15. Another comedy lead woman. Meg Ryan. Yeah. Uh, what's her face? <sighs> Um, was it was was her face in it? Um, 
What's her name? San Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. That's yeah. a, okay. That's a good pull, though. That's an okay. Yeah. I feel like she would it like Speed came out in like '95, and that was her first big one. Uh-huh. But that was what, an action. Did she yeah. immediately follow that up with a bunch of romantic comedy stuff? And what what I, I, what were they? There's a part of me that like was well, not active. There's hope floats, but I don't know if that's what? not a comedy. <laughs> I have never what? even heard those two words put together. <laughs> what? <laughs> you are an encyclopedia of chick flicks. <laughs> All right, come on. I need a question. Come on, trying. Come on, I'm trying. I feel like my only option is like is. to ask you, about these actress called? names. Quake. I had no idea. Like you guys are throwing I'm like, okay. God damn it. I am so sorry to leave this track because they are getting the far inferior version of crypto this week. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Does it star I like my only I can't think of anything else that they were down with other than like names of people. Okay. So does this star Meg Ryan? No. God damn it. Holy shit. I really don't. Dude, who is in this fucking movie? You've got got five more. Come on. Fuck, man. (laughs) in such a hurry. Right? We're we're almost 20 minutes. Come on. All right. So was... uh, Shit. Um, Hmm. I got places to go. People to see. I know, man. Video games yeah. to play. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say. I got to play some Diablo 3. Come on, let's go. It's Eastern time. It's 1 o'clock in the morning here, man. We ain't, Nobody has anywhere to be. Don't you tell <laughs> me. Don't you, don't you talk to me about your Western fucking goddamn California <laughs> time, you witch, you motherfucking warlock. <sighs> um, shit, man. So, what's what's something I can ask? Um, mm. What about... Uh, 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 what about Bob? Oh, remember, it's a teen party kind of movie. Yeah. It, it is, but I fucking have no... Rec- like... What Are I was doing, sure? what I was doing from '95 to '97, is literally just fucking Pokemon. Wait, was all I did? Include '97, or was it? It was only. It's only '95, '96, right? January first, so it, it's not '97 at all. Yeah. It's between one one ninety five and twelve thirty one ninety six. That means nothing to me. I was in second grade. What about in Freddie Prinze Jr.? Was he big then? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the guy's not the lead. I feel like he would have been the lead. I mean, Clueless but, maybe is still in the option. Clueless is still in there. Yeah. God damn it. Was Paul Rudd in this movie, Caleb? Yes. Oh, <laughs> dude. I called that shit 20 oh, questions you ago. You did say it. This like, that was like the third thing oh you said. God. It has okay. to be. What else the fuck was he in? Just Hail Nothing. Mary from here. Just fuck it, man. If we lose, we lose. If Do not, it, Heather. At like 6, 17. Do it, Heather. Or you no want to ask Alicia Silverstone, and then I'll ask Clueless. No way. Was the main character named Cher Horowitz, and her mother died, and her dad's a lawyer? I can only answer one of those questions, <laughs> but they're all yes. But they're, but all, they're all yes. yes. Okay, cool. yes! So you use you use all your you use all your questions. Dude, Heather, to twenty. You bringing it you back lose. to it being a teen movie was what totally reminding me the clues was on the table. I completely had forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. Why the hell would I ask about Meg that... Ryan after we knew it was a teen Meg movie? Why would Meg Ryan be in a teen movie? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wasn't even there. I mean, it, is it Clueless? America's Sweetheart, Meg Ryan. It is Clueless. Nice. Yes. I Damn, see. you're I was... still undefeated. High five on that. Let's fuck this mic yeah. up. Including yes. Including the Lost Quake track. Quest. Quest track. Quest, <laughs> Quest track. <laughs> Quest Love is not a video game. <laughs> Quest love, yeah. Could be. Hey, uh, sorry to everyone who had to suffer through that fucking nightmare, but no. guess what? It was clueless. We did it. Was it. Good. So You're bad. welcome. You're welcome, everyone. Everyone else has been yelling that. in their radios or 
devices for the last like 10 minutes going, it's clueless. It's clueless. Come on. Meg Ryan's <coughs> not in a so teen good. movie. <laughs> no, no, like Julia Roberts is not in a teen movie. Uh, all right, guys, yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, you can, minds. you can find us and other podcasts on the Ninja Pancake Network. Pancake Network, uh, ninjapancake.com. Uh, you can, like, Warlock School, I'm on that. Loot Shoot Lane, uh, The Fluxcast, My Morning Coffee. Uh, thank you to Speaker Freaks for, for the Geek Squatch theme. Uh, subscribe to Geek Squatch on iTunes and rate and review us. We would appreciate it. Or contact us on geeksquatch.com by email there or at geeksquatchpod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Alex at WA Hirsch on Twitter, Brandon at SesameSeed01. Jamie at Traffic Jamie, me at Caleb MCC, and Colin at Perkline. Uh, that's it, guys. We did it. Dos Vidania. Arrivederci. Uh, uh-huh. See you later. Get out of here. Go home. You're not welcome here. Go we'll slide do your what you do. somewhere. Hey, you know what? You know what? You don't have to go home. But you can't stay here. Yeah, yeah. See ya. <laughs>